0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What's up? I'm Pete. And after last week's stack was so successful with 49 titles, we are kicking it up to 86 titles this week. We're talking about every comic that came out and several that did not, that we're just going to make up off of the top of our heads.
1: So there there you go. That's right. We're covering comic strips in the newspaper, Uh, local (laughs) comics, a.k.a. comedians who we think are crushing it out there. All right. Well, we're covering the uh, (laughs) comics. Let's let's kick it off with
0: Hagar the Horrible. One million and eighty. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Let's jump into the comics. This is shorter than last week, but still lots of stuff to talk about and some big titles, even though this is what's called a fifth week, an extra week in comics. There's still some big stuff coming out, kicking it off with Ultimate Universe. Number one from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Stefano Caselli. The way this is working is we had Ultimate Invasion, which was the Maker, yes. the evil Reed Richards, coming into the Ultimate Universe, taking it over, getting rid of all the superheroes. And then we had some big changes where the Maker was taken out of commission for at least a couple of years. And now we have a couple of heroes. We got a young Tony Stark called Iron Lad, a variant, another variant of Reed Richards from this dimension, who is now the new Doctor Doom. And He's shy. It, He's shy. He's, something's happened to his face, I would assume, courtesy of the Maker. And uh, yeah, in this issue, they're trying to recruit other heroes to fight back. Specifically what we find out here, and this is a bit of a spoiler for the issue and for the new status quo of the Ultimate Universe. The Maker kept all of these relics and different things that created the Marvel heroes. He kept them out of the way in Latveria, And ultimately what they're trying to do is get them back and get these heroes back and get the world back the way it is. So what this issue is aiming to do is set the tone, set the stage for the overall plot of the upcoming rebooted Ultimate Universe. We're going to be kicking into it proper in January with the new Ultimate Spider-Man title, followed by a Black Panther title. And in the back of this book, we get a preview of a uh, what I'm most excited about, just because it's such a wild take. Peach Pomoko doing x-men but not demon days x-men this is ultimate universe x-men in the, the classic peach momoko style so there
1: you go uh, pretty cool justin, and focus on armor
0: yes well before we get to the backup story though justin i know you and i i, I think we liked ultimate invasion but ultimately we are like okay what's the point of this what are we getting to ultimate. yeah
2: so uh, stop saying what point? You say you were like, we're talking about the ultimate universe. Ultimately, I feel like yeah, I'm just saying. Ultimately, you know, in a universal <laughs> way, I don't know. I have a limited amount of vocabulary. Is that the word?
0: I just learned <laughs> wow. that. that my, is uh, that a word? That was on my calendar today. Nice. Justin, what did you think about this book?
1: What a boring vocabulary calendar. If vocabulary <laughs> is one of the words. Tomorrow you is can't word. Do that.
0: I'm excited to find out what that means.
1: This is, they ran out of ideas. Um, ultimately, this uh, look at the <laughs> Ultimate Universe is sort of a, well, I, it, it still is unclear exactly what we're doing here. We get the Ultimate versions of the characters, it seems like. The Thor especially reminded me of the back-in-the-day Ultimate Thor. He gets an Ultimate sword through his Ultimate heart and seems to be totally fine with it, which mm-hmm. I was like, sick. Pretty cool. But, It feels like maybe we're doing like a mashup. This is a guess, Mm -hmm. speculation, but, and a little bit of a a spoiler. Thor gets a sword through the heart, and then they, but they at the same time capture all these relics from Latveria. And it looks like they're pulling out a spider that they're going to maybe cure Thor from his sword wound with. A spider that perhaps maybe is um, juiced up with some radiation. So maybe Thor is the ultimate Spider-Man.
0: Well, he's not. I mean, this is not a spoiler. They've put it out there. Peter Parker is going to be Spider-Man. The concept of the new Ultimate Spider-Man is that he was already an adult. He's already married to Mary Jane. He already has two kids. And that's when he becomes Spider-Man. So something will happen off of that. I think the big thing that I was surprised about with this issue is I expected it to be more of a universe-wide, here's what's going on, leading into these three titles that we all already know about, maybe some more titles beyond that. But instead, this feels like the first issue of Ultimate Avengers more than anything. So I'm not quite sure what happened there. I mean, maybe that's the goal. And Jonathan Ickman is a meticulous planner, so I'm sure we will see this pay off somewhere down the road. But I I was just surprised that, to your point, we didn't get spider man in this we got a tease of Black Panther we saw some pages from x-men but this didn't feel like the universe thing so much is very focused on Tony Stark go ahead
1: well my, my my point is that like it feels like there's no grand gesture it doesn't feel like we're getting pointed in different directions it feels like it's like yeah you get it we got these characters back again um, you're gonna see a spider-man it's a little different in it it, the what there were just slight changes to all of them, which the word "ultimate" is not. um If you could check your word today, day, I don't think it means I'm we made some that. slight changes. Not there yet. We yeah. made some slight changes to these things. So, but it, it's Jonathan Hickman whose thing is grand scale mm-hmm. you know, ideas. So, I don't know. I, I guess. Uh, It feels like we're being paced into it, and I'm just surprised it's not more of a swing here.
0: Uh, I agree with you on that. To be positive about it, this is a good comic. Stefano Caselli's art is really good. He's got the beefiest Thor I think I've ever seen in my life, so that was nice to see. You
1: like like your Thor's beefy. (laughs) You like 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 your Thor with extra beef.
0: Mm-hmm. That's when I go into a Thor movie, I'm like, mm, extra beef, please. And I please, am satisfied every single time. The To the point that you're saying, this feels more like, hey, here's an alternate universe tale. And I like the concept of we've got this relic and the mission and the propulsion of we need to restore the universe to the way it is. That seems like a nice concept to me. But what I agree with you on is the ultimate universe Felt like this breath of fresh air when it came out. It yeah. felt like it was in
2: You're your talking face. About the first time, not yeah. The
0: first time, I'm saying okay. like. All right. All the stuff that came out of there, it felt like, oh, this is different than the Marvel Universe. Like, we're getting some tweaks here. This feels fresh. This feels new. This feels modern. It is unencumbered with continuity. This is encumbered with continuity. I'm not up to that on my word of day calendar yet, but I assume
1: that's a word probably. It's like um, uh, it's a vegetable for salads. Right. This in. is
0: where the original Ultimate Universe was like new comic readers come in. This is you got to know everything, guys. You got to know exactly what this all of these relics are. you got to know this isn't Dr. Doom. This is a Reed Richards Dr. Doom, and that's why they're commenting he's skinny. You have to know who Sif is and Thor and what the regular continuity is. And mind you, I do know all of that, <laughs>
2: so I yeah. still enjoy it. So that. why are you mad, bro? Well, uh, but maybe that's the like, point. Yeah, it seems like too maybe, much.
1: Maybe that's the point. Maybe as the Marv, the main Marvel universe is becoming more like – Uh, open to new readers and MCU friendly, the ultimate universe is the one where you're going to do more of the deep continuity stuff. Like for instance, having a, um, a Spider-Man who's married to a, a woman who some would think is his true love. And maybe Mm -hmm. they would be happy that he's married
2: to her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's the sort of thing where they were like, wow, the ultimate ultimate means like very select. So they're like, how can we get the fewest readers possible? How much, how can we drive away the widest range of people possible, really focus on our aging comic book fan base. That's what we got to do here. That's something that comics needs. I'm being sarcastic, well, but, I don't actually think that, but
1: but you know. I would also say that in you know, you're going to get new readers in an ultimate universe. They sort of just did a little bit of um, a little switcheroo where new readers are like, Oh, ultimate universe one, let me get on with these Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does all this and- mean? But then, then you're going to get all the readers that, that want these old ideas back together, back in the uh, main book. And then maybe new readers are going to go back and read old comics. So it might just be like a necessary flip-flop, they think, to to serve a fan base that hasn't been fed in a while. Pete, are you excited to see a Peter Parker, Mary Jane marriage?
2: Yeah, that very specific part. I, I, I just For me, it just seems like a while ago, DC – was I felt like not new reader friendly because everything you opened had so much continuity, so much going on, you felt lost. And it feels like that's what Marvel is doing right here, which doesn't make any sense to me. All right, fair enough. And by the way, just to be clear,
0: again, if you are a comic book fan, I think this is a really well-made comic that I generally enjoy. I am excited to see all these Ultimate Universe titles. But just thinking about the greater implications, like Pete is saying, I don't know if this is going to bring people into comics the same way that the Ultimate Comics did. I don't think it's necessarily going to set up like here is the reboot of the MCU in 10 years that we want. Um, And I don't think that's what Hickman is going for. He wants to write a story that is interesting for him.
1: It's a different intention, and that to me is, like, I think our expectations going in was like, okay, Ultimate Universe 1. Let's kick off this thing that we know is a reboot. And instead, it's not that, so that's, I think, why we're being maybe more critical. But to your point earlier, like, I enjoy reading this, and I will continue to read this.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) We're very critical, and we love it. Uh, Aqu- Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom special number one from DC Comics written by Tim Seeley, Joey Esposito, hey, and Seeley. Ethan Sachs. Art by Miguel Mendonza, Ray Anthony Height, and Scott Eaton this is telling three stories of the main characters in Aquaman, providing a little bit of a bridge between the first Aquaman movie and the second one. That... Uh, ostensibly is still coming out in a couple of months, as far as we know.
2: So, the first story is all about
0: Aquaman itself, teaming up a little bit with Wonder Woman and the Flash, Batman nowhere to be seen, Batman declared missing. The second story is all about Black Manta, and the third story is about Orm, aka Ocean Master. Pete, I want to hear from you on this. You're the big Aqua fan on the podcast, so take it away.
2: Mm. Yeah, this is a great collection of stories. Love the Tim Seeley first story, love the Black Manta story. And then the rattling of the cage uh, last story was super cool. I think this is a great uh, package here. And I appreciate the fact that we're trying to build a bridge from, uh, you know, the Aquaman movies into the comics a little bit here. You know what I mean? Like which Aquaman is actually Aquaman type of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I thought this was great. Uh, art was fantastic.
1: My big issue with this is it didn't um, uh, pay homage to the five naps I took during the first Aquaman movie. Like, I feel like those are the gaps I need filled in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I thought it was interesting that
0: Pete said a bridge because a bridge is over water and Aquaman lives both on water and out of water. So I thought that was really mm-hmm. apt, Pete. I did not, also did not like the first Aquaman movie, but I thought if you are a fan of the Aquaman movie, this is a good thing to pick up. The reason I say that is I think all three writer, artist teams did a very good job of channeling the characters from the first movie. The first story, in particular, from Tim Seeley, I thought I could hear Jason Momoa's narration, yeah. dialogue in my head the entire time. This so that flowing really underwater hair? I mean, come mm-hmm. on. And it also, it's a fun Tim Seeley story, and it's a fun Aquaman story. I don't know if it specifically felt like, yeah, this is a DCEU thing so much as hey, what can we do in comics that maybe we can't necessarily do on screen? Which, great, go for it. Yeah, The Mm -hmm. Black Manta story by Joey Esposito, I thought, was very moody and intense. Um, Really like the art in that one. It was very dark and felt Mm -hmm. almost a little, not as exaggerated, but a little like Jay Lee in terms of the shading and everything. Oh, yeah, good call. And the Orm Ocean Master,
2: I I don't know, I thought that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it has a little Uh, bit of an old school art feel to it.
1: I would say across the board the art was really good in this especially mm-hmm. in the first one the Min- Miguel uh Mendoza like art really channeled the movie in a way that mm-hmm. I was like oh wow you don't usually see that uh, where using actual reference really works in the comic book form so I would That was definitely
0: that. Nicole Kidman in that story 100% oh, yeah. Amber Heard maybe not quite as much but there you mm. go well, I mean, anyway will, if you're fan a fan of the movies topic. pick that one up next up stranger things the voyage number one from dark horse comics written by michael morrissey art by Todor Christov. we have been a little back and forth about some of the stranger things comics from dark horse but it's from the same team as stranger things kamchatka which i don't want to speak for anybody else but that was certainly my favorite stranger things miniseries that has come out and maybe one of the better non-TV show Stranger Things that have come out, set in Russia, showing what went horribly wrong there, giving a spy story that sort of goes around the Stranger Things world. And this story, I really dug this first issue as well. This is like straight up, whatever reference you want to use. It's Alien. It's The Last Voyage of the Demeter. um, It's all of that, but with Stranger Things stuff. And I thought it had the same amount of tension and horrible, horrific violence that you expect from that sort of thing. Um, just a bunch of people trapped on a boat with a Demogorgon. Um, I thought it was uh, great.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I feel like by the by the time uh, Stranger Things actually comes out, Netflix comics line would be like, okay, in this issue, the Demogorgon just like crossing the street to go, okay, what else can we do here? Can we get more? The Demogorgon here is taking a short nap and this book follows the nap and the people who Stop are... Pushing well, hold on. I know, an an agenda. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, are supposed to be the youngest
2: one on, think, the, on the fucking
0: team here. Yeah, but I think these are actually taking the story and not being like, what story can we tell about these kids that has nothing to do with supernatural stuff because otherwise they don't interact with it, but instead being like, all right, that Russia stuff was interesting. Let's expand on that as much as humanly possible.
1: And, and I agree. that. And they, But they, I feel like they've just... Carved that out. And again, like I like this. Uh, the, it very is, if you're a fan of aliens, this is very much that I, I felt. And in the aliens books, even in art style, I feel like there's some connections there. It's just funny to me how much Russia stuff we're following <laughs> from a Stranger Things universe, uh, POV when that is such a side thing. I'd actually like to see a Demogorgon story set somewhere Demogorg- completely different. Demogorgon.
2: It's actually so I'm demo, wrong. demo. Demo. Uh, I, well, first off, I think that this is, you know, regardless of the Stranger Things and the the Russian, all the all the different tie in stuff, I think it's a great comic because the art's awesome. It's super suspenseful, and it it kind of is this. I got so into the story, I forgot um, forgot about Stranger Things for a while. And then I saw the demo going, I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) This is supposed to be tying into Stranger Things. So I feel like it it does do a good job of kind of being like, hey, this is similar, but a little different. So it's kind of fresh and enjoyable. And you're not kind of like, all right, where's Eleven? Where's going to be the waffle reference? What are we doing? Uh, I felt like they did a great job of uh, pulling you in with this amazing art style and all this tension and stuff and then kind of telling a, uh, a story that has the Demogorgian in it.
1: <laughs> Dem- Lego my demo. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, if you
0: can correctly identify how many ways we pronounce The made Monster and Stranger Things, you're going to win a prize. I don't want to say what it is, but why don't we Ooh. move on and talk about an advanced book, The Holy Roller, number don't one. Spoil. This is on sale November 22nd from Image Comics. It's written by Andy Samberg and Rick Whoa! and Rick Remender, art by Joe Troman. A This is about a kid who grew up being the son of a semi-famous bowler coming back to town. A regionally doing, famous bowler. Doing a classic walking tall, I think is the reference that I want to look for, kind of. Mm. The, the movie that they remade him? with The Rock. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> Everybody does. Uh-huh.
1: Well, yeah, we're, ta- we're talking about a couple walking tall spinoff comics, I think, later in the stats. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's
0: one that follows on the events in Russia, and the other one does not. Oh, Yes. Boy. <laughs> uh,
1: I love the, Anyway, we the, have a lot of expectations.
0: We love Rick Remender. I think also generally people like that Andy Samberg guy, but there's certainly an expectation of humor and other things going on there. How do you think they paid it off with this book or not?
2: I think it delivers. Uh I really think that uh there's some real fun comedy bits here. Um also the kind of holy roller uh dad type looks like Judd Hirsch from Taxi, so that's adorable. Yeah. Uh I, I think there's like a lot of fun uh things about this book. Um and, you know, sometimes you think you're visiting a town and then next you, you, know, you're murdering somebody with a bowling ball. I think it's a fun idea. You know what I mean? Like it's That's a, an
1: unrelated comment from you. Yeah, right? yeah, just unrelated because halfway <laughs>
2: through the sentence, I realize we're not allowed to spoil anything. But I think it's, uh, it's a very great team. It's an all-star team working on this book. Art's fantastic. The story is hilarious. This is, uh, is going to be a, a big comic.
1: It's a great mix of of Andy Samberg and Rick Remender. There's a lot of comedy here. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I was like, I got to the uh, the back half of the book, and I was like, ah, there's that Rick Remender flavor <laughs> that um, I've been waiting for. So I uh, really, uh, really enjoyed this The uh, fun art as well. I do think surprising turns, I guess I would say. And the Judd Hirsch of it all made me feel like, oh, this is a movie script. 100%. I mean, I...
0: Just to say the negative part first, I always kind of take exception to things that feel like, oh, you wanted to pitch this as a movie, and now you're just doing it as a comic book. And I certainly... Don't expect that from Rick Remender, I think, of Rick thinking comic books first. And mind you, art's great from Joe Troman. Uh, there's some great ultra violence that happens, as you were mentioning, both um, a little bit in the first half, but mostly in the second half of the book. So you get that Rick Remender flavor there. Certainly, if you are an Andy Samberg fan, it's packed to the gills with humor, and there's jokes and some very silly offhand stuff in the classic Lonely Island style that, like, We're just going to throw a joke in here that doesn't connect to this character or anything. Just it's going to be goofy and weird. And I enjoyed that because I enjoy their humor. But it's frustrating to me to read this and to be like, this is the first part of a six-part movie script. I want to see how this is a comic and how this works as a comic. I don't necessarily need to see Jewish walking tall with bowling balls instead of a big baseball bat, you know. Um, so, hopefully, this establishes <laughs> itself more as a comic in the second issue because right now it felt like the beginnings of a screenplay to me.
1: But walking, ball. Did, walking,
0: walking ball. ball, walking there ball. There we go. That's where it started. I bet that's where it started. I did appreciate the focus on Jewish characters, though. That was nice to see just in terms of representation. And it felt very authentic to me, which you could always like smell it not being authentic, by the way. So, good job on that. Hmm. let's move on talk about the space between number one from boom studios written by corinna becco art by denny luckert Was a new title a new sci-fi title that is your classic like titanic type thing you got an upstairs downstairs situation oh, man you know mm-hmm. the
2: pilots That's and the right. maintenance people you know will they ever get together I don't know. Pete, this is basically a
0: romance book. How did you feel
2: about it? I love the rom-com of it all. You know, the classic tale of two people from different walks of life, and they meet in a magical moment. Yeah, I mean, they got a little smooch in there, super happy about that. And then they were torn away from each other. Uh, Will they ever get back together? Gosh, I hope so. I'm really pulling for the ship. And, uh, yeah, that being said, this is really solid art, fun, even though we've seen this a story told in many different ways uh it's still uh still is fun to root for,
1: yeah, I like the way this world was built um it really is an upstairs downstairs in that everyone's like, "Oh, what happens down there? We don't do that, or what happens mm-hmm. up there, but there are tubes connecting each mm-hmm. of them, they're like. Go through the tube uh, and you'll find out. The only thing is, this is an ongoing series. Right. And it, and it, it has a, to be continued at the end. But I was like, the story is over. You just completed the story, I feel it's like. Here. Over. So I was very surprised. Can, can that, we talk we, about oh, the ending
0: he, for a second? I, I just yeah. want to interrupt. Uh, so spoiler warning on. Pete, they get back together at the end. They're like, well, we're very happy here. Uh, we're together and we've really changed society. So to Justin's point, I was very confused about what happens next. Potentially something very interesting once you've gotten past this. Yeah tropey, you know, enjoyably tropey, but tropey romance thing of how can a lower class person and a higher class person ever get together? They're really going to teach each other about each other's worlds. It speeds runs through that in the first issue. So what happens after that? I don't know. I'm curious to find out. Um, It feels like between the writing and Danny Luckert's art, a little bit like Luda Brothers light, kind of like it's not exactly Mm. the same thing, but it has a little bit of a sense of that. Let's hope it's less pervy. (laughs) <laughs> sure. If it they, seems to be yeah. So far, if that pushes it forward and really explores, like now that you've gotten this, how do you deal with society now that it's integrated in the space station? I don't know. That's interesting to me, but we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, we get like a little fast forward, but we don't get to see what happens in between. You know what I mean? We do get the space the, between the space between. Yeah, yeah. That's what uh, that's the, what they're doing. The,
1: this the art actually reminded me a little bit of Tony Harris on Ex Machina. In a way, uh, okay. and as, uh-huh. as well as a little bit of the design and whatnot. There is a line. The The very last panel is very much like, goodbye, this story's over. But the panel before uh, has a couple lines. But love doesn't really change the world, right? There's bound to be a backlash. Mm-hmm. So I do think this is more of a, a wide canvas, like year-spanning story. And maybe we're going to see this sort of generational impacts of it. Uh, but I was just surprised we didn't get a little bit more of a nod to that before. But come um, on,
2: guys, end. a pilot and a maintenance person getting together—I mean, come on!
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, have you got? Have you flown Delta? The pilots and the maintenance <laughs> people are making out all day. It's all <laughs> rom com. That's a sexy airline, guys. Oh
2: yeah. man.
1: Spider-Boy number one from
0: Marvel written by Dan Slott, art by Paco Medina and Ty Templeton is the kickoff. The new series for Spider-Man sidekick who has recently been created in the real world, but reintegrated into continuity in the fake world of the Marvel universe. We're following his solo adventures here as we find out a lot more about him and he battles some folks from his past over two adventures. This is exactly the sort of goofy fun I think you would expect from Dan Slott, full of puns and jokes and squirrel girl cabios and balloonatics and things like that. So I had a good time, and overall, I was pretty happy that this is also a comic book. that I think you could hand to kids as well, getting the opposite of Ultimate Universe, which is a deep continuity thing. This is a very light continuity thing, as usual, and it really gets Dan Slott back to his all-ages roots which I was very happy about.
2: Yeah, I agree. This is Dan Slott just having a lot of fun, and it jumps off the page. And I think when Dan Slott's having fun, we are having fun, and it's silly and great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sold on Spy- Spider-Boy, but um, it's, a, How it's a fun comic, and he's, he's having a great time. You know what I mean?
1: You don't like which part,
2: the spider or the boy? The boy part. I don't like it when he's got his uh, thing off. You know what I mean? His mask off. He looks weird.
1: <laughs> his teeth.
2: You're talking about the issue he complains about. You don't no, like his teeth. He just wishes all
0: boys
1: would wear masks. He
0: doesn't like yeah, looking at yeah. faces. Like, That's true. See, you
1: know, gross little masks. faces. Take your mask yeah. off when you're a man. I mean, boys are gross. Uh, no yeah. doubt about that. Uh, I mean, the, the the this is. I agree with you. This is fun, and it's just the way that Dan Slott has been talking about this book is like. Huge revelation, huge surprise. You'll never guess the origin of this character. And then uh, the reveal eventually was like, he was created by a, a woman named Madam Monstrosity, and that's it.
2: Well, like, how would ah. you have guessed that, though? Yeah, well, well, that was, that was, that was right about the that. Edge yeah. of
0: Spider-Verse story, I believe, they revealed that, but then they sort of reiterate it in this issue. But yeah, it's not... Uh, He's definitely been pumping this up as world-taking wild swigs. And spoiler here, but one of his wild swigs is that Bailey Briggs makes a joke of, what do you take when you mix an elephant and a rhino? elephino, And then his friend gets turned into an elephino? Very funny, but also, I don't know.
1: Well, that that feels very dance slot to me, where it's like it's a joke, but there's a deep emotional underpinning to it. And then he also plays the joke when Mm -hmm. the fight happens. So like that part, I get. I guess it just feels like I was sold this character as like a, and we had all this speculation, like oh, it's the the spider, and when it bit Peter Parker, it took on human qualities, and that's Spider Boy. And we had all these big ideas, and then it's like no, a random woman with her like (laughs) other animal boys (laughs) did it, and I was like ah. OK, so like I again, almost like ultimate the ultimate book we talked about earlier, where it's like the expectations were a certain place. And now we're landing in the reality of the story and just it hits a little different. But like to your point from before, this does feel like a great all ages story that I could see um, lighting up the young comic fan, the masked boy that we all have in our lives.
0: Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War, Scorched Earth, number one from DC yeah. Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard. Art by Mike Hawthorne and Nicola Sismizdia. Sorry about that, Nicola. Anyway, this is the final (laughs) issue of the Gotham War. We've been following the storyline as Catwoman builds up an army of thieves to try to provide for themselves. Batman really didn't like that and reacted by fighting his entire family and brainwashing, essentially, Jason Todd. So that whenever he gets a rush of adrenaline, he starts to feel fear meanwhile in the background vandal savage has been recruiting catwoman's army secretly in order to bring a bunch of different pieces of meteor rock the one that gave him his longevity to bring a larger meteor to earth that will destroy gotham city instead we get some big changes and twists by the end here how'd you guys feel about the end of this event pete you got some bat cat stuff and they got it ripped away from you how'd you feel
2: yeah, that, yeah, that was this was a lot. This was a lot to ha- all have in one issue. It kind of felt like the Gotham War kind of got thrown out the window because of all the madness that kind of got ramped up here. So it was a little bit like, oh, you having fun with who's on whose side? Well, that's all doesn't matter now because of this giant meteorite and all this. Uh, I, I just felt like it kind of took a swerve and then got into the vent, which I was a little uh, uh, a little kind of. Bummed about, I guess, but overall, this was a huge issue. So much went down. People were dying left and right. I mean, this was a a crazy issue, jam-packed issue. Uh, And overall, I think this was a really cool, fun event. Um, I'm not that, you know, spoilers, not that big a fan of Jason Todd. So, you know, the fact that he died here was pretty cool. Oh, he didn't <laughs> die. Also, Catwoman died. So that, right, right, she, she also didn't him. die. No, I'm pretty sure they both died this <laughs> They didn't, though. Yeah,
1: Batman, yeah. Sir, Batman, the greatest detective of all, certainly thinks like they're all dead. So I don't know. No, no, no.
0: He's just, to time, uh, just to be clear, like... So there is the moment where Jason Todd does the Dark Knight Rises thing, where he takes the bad plane, sacrifices himself into the meteor, and I was like, wow, they killed Jason Todd and nobody had to vote for it this time. That's nice. And instead, (laughs) there's the panel of him parachuting out of the plane, and he looks down and goes, holy shit, or something like that. It's bleeped. He does not curse in the comic book. And then while Batman is looking down at, there's a lot of spoilers I'm throwing out here, but as he's looking down at the new Lazarus pit that's been created in Gotham city, Jason Todd comes over and puts his hand on his shoulder. So Jason Todd, very much alive at the end of the issue. Batman thought the Catwoman was lost in this Lazarus pit. Something else has happened to her. She's in shadow, but he still has a sense that she's alive and she's shadowed in the,
2: Background there, I could tell you but what's happening. But that's just a shadow Catwoman. That's not really Catwoman. Oh yeah, it's like it's a, a bunch of cats standing in the shape of Catwoman. You know, classic. Yeah, that's yeah. a
1: cat. It's a a Catwoman. It's not mm-hmm. the Catwoman. Exactly. It's a cat. Yeah. Lowercase c cat. Of lowercase is w. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, I just think this event was a little messy. It's like the Batman take is inconsistent. Like he like got rid of Jason Todd's memories or he made him into, he didn't get rid of his memories. He made him into this person whose adrenaline makes him incapable of being a hero. And then that's just sort of yada yada a bunch of times in this final issue where it's just like, yeah, but uh, we, sorry, we can't deal with that right now. I was like, can't deal with that.
0: Deal with that. You guys got to deal with that. I, I agree with you. I think they had this idea. I, Uh, My my negative way of looking at it would be they couldn't figure out how to end this philosophical argument between Catwoman and Batman in any sort of ongoing way. So through the swerve there in terms of the Vandal Savage thing that ultimately takes the decision out of their hands, which I get, the positive way of looking at it was like they got enamored with the idea of they're in the middle of this philosophical debate, take their eye off the ball, which is the villains of Gotham City – Vandal Savage, all of these other things. And ultimately, both lose, essentially, because of that. Batman loses a chunk of Gotham City. Catwoman loses something. Uh, We don't exactly know. Yeah, herself. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, But I agree with you. It was a little... I As nonsensical as some of those arguments were, I wanted to see them focus on that, on the Batman and Catwoman of it all, and to pull that rug out from under... I don't know. It was a choice.
2: It just seems like after this, they're still going to have to go back to that debate. You know what I mean? Where it's like once Cat, you know, comes back alive or the Cats get together and sacrifice the Lazarus pit or something, however it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, we're still going to have to come back to this debate because Gotham's still going to be needed defending and whose side are people going to be on.
1: Well, and also like what, there's this meteor that had an effect that no, no one understood. Like we don't know what happened to their bodies when they when their cat wound when she fell into it. So like Annie Vandal Savage is up in the air here. So like, I don't know, like there is fallout from this, but are we picking that up? There's a little epilogue at the end of this issue that feels like, nope, we're moving right on to something completely different. So I cool. don't know what the repercussions are yet.
0: Yeah, Savage Red Sonia number one from Dynamite, written by Dan Panosian, art by Alessio Patillo. This is your classic Red Sonia. She devil with the sword, going on an adventure, killing some stuff, fighting some stuff. Pete, over to you.
2: Yeah, this was great. Uh, the Savage title is usually means it's going to be a lot of over the top fun, which this was. This was a ton of action, fighting monsters, bloods and guts. You know, great art. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't. It wasn't overly TNA, so I appreciated that, you know, it was you know, still a part of the character and that's cool, but I I felt like they didn't lean into it, which I appreciated.
1: Well, but I think we had a little red Sonia crush here, maybe. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about how she can not ever be with anyone unless they are like as good at, at being a fighter as her. Yeah, that's
2: and a, classic guy, Lucy, a good This guy Lucian, he
1: bests he bests the sand monster. Mm-hmm. So Maybe I'm this right is a little this. bit of a connection. Writing,
0: if you're looking for a classic Red Sony adventure, that's what this provides. The art yep. is good. I, I want a little something more out of it. Like I've read enough of these at this point, but this is a solid example of this type of book.
1: How about some romance, Alex? Yeah, because Alex. Um, this did feel a little bit different for me from okay. uh, the other Red Sony stuff. And um, I definitely enjoyed this more than a lot of the classic just like – how many uh, meat places can I stick this sword before the end of the issue?
2: <laughs> meat places? <laughs>
0: places?
1: To meet human beings?
0: I got to give you my word a day calendar.
1: Yeah.
0: Human beings
1: was no, last it's month I' opened my eyes my, because I used to my call cal- meat places as well. My calendar has meat places on it. Oh, oh wow. okay. But mine's designed to make me less smart. <laughs> it's trying to take away my vocabulary. <laughs> Negative
2: Vocatic. word a day calendar. You're killing <laughs> it. You're killing that's it. Called, it. Deletes a word. That's called word a beer. Day. That's <laughs> called beer, Justin. Yeah. Sacrificers. Oh, I'm doing that
0: too. <laughs> Sacrificers number four from Image Comics. Written yes. by Rick Remender. Again, art by Ax Femora. In this world, there are a bunch of kids who are regularly taken and juiced for the gods. That's juiced! The they're juiced, yeah, they are. Juice. They're Maybe made they're happier juice. than the gods drink their juice, and as we find out this issue, that keeps the gods young and healthy. What I was most surprised about with this issue, and I know I'm Charlie Brad with the football here, but reading a Rick Remender book, but this book, last issue was so devastating. This issue I was like, okay, there's hope they're going to write the ship. And I
2: should know better by this point, but I do not. Yeah, you should. First off, just, uh, you know, I didn't like how you, you know, said again after Rick Remender, Rick Remender can write as many books as he wants because he kills it. This is an amazing comic. So happy Remender's working on this. The art, the characterization is just unbelievable. I mean, this is super tight banana stuff we're talking about here. I, I just, I, I love the panel, the panels they are just insane. Uh I I just can't say enough great things about, yes, you're going to have your heart ripped out of your chest, but you're going to enjoy the ride so much you really won't care.
1: Wow. Wow. Put that on the back cover. I agree. This is really good. I mean, Rick Remender, just great emotionally driven storytelling top to bottom. Yes. And in this issue, we get some, a little bit more backstory on the family of this from one of the sacrificers. Uh, we get um, a little bit of the high courtroom, uh, high court stuff that I think is going to yeah. play into the story. So the elements are starting to come together in a story that's been driven by a lot of the roller coaster that Alex was mentioning so very much excited. Rick Remender, I feel like, is just so good at uh, getting all his pieces right where he wants them.
2: Plus, you know, flying magic carpet. I mean, come on, Salves. I mean, what's not to like? No, 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 I like
0: it. I, I'm saying I like it. I'm saying that Rick Remender keeps tricking me into thinking, like, hey, there's hope in this world. I think the heroes are going to win and things are going to get better every time. Every single time he gets me, like a like a latter day Lucy. I did want to give a shout out <laughs> to Max Fimura. <laughs> In particular, there's a sequence where the gods are getting younger over the course of a series yes. of panels. Oh, yeah. That's not easy to do, draw the no, same characters at cool. different ages. So that was very neat in particular. White Widow, number one from Marvel, written by Sarah Galli art by Alessandro Miracolo. We're getting a new tale of Yelena Belova here, where she moves to a small town, just trying to have a regular life. But of course, she's the White Widow, so that's not going to happen. This very purposefully, and I think Sarah Galey calls this out a little bit in the school, Script has shades of an extension of the classic Hawkeye series. Seems like the same sort of thing with Elena moving to an apartment building. But of course, there's a couple of messed up and weird elements there. This also very clearly channels the voice of Florence Pugh as Elena, yeah, I would yeah. say,
2: pew, pew, pew. to a T.
0: There's shout outs to the Elena Kate Bishop friendship from the Hawkeye series. So if you're a fan of that, if you want more of that and you've been waiting to see it on screen, this is a good book to pick up.
1: What a nice day for a white widow, I say, because this is a pretty good book.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs) Nailed it. Um, I did really like the way that they took the idea of the Hawkeye identification boxes and blew them out into – like sort of like dossier style things, like short little Mm -hmm. dossiers about it. There's also a sequence that I thought was very fun where White Widow has a bunch of pros and cons as she's trying to figure out her personality and writing them on the wall. That was just very enjoyable to parse through and look through all the things she had written down because there's a lot of fun Easter eggs there.
1: Love, like, neutral, dislike, and hate. Just Mm -hmm. really great rubric. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing Uh, about that's what we're doing right now. We're doing that about comics. (laughs)
0: Yes, but I'm going to do that about myself as well and really figure out. Uh,
1: We should do. You should be uh, in the stack. We should. We should uh, should review you. We should review.
0: We should review 40 people. (laughs) 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 Detective Comics 1076 from DC Comics, written by Ram V and Dan Waters, art by Jason Shawn Alexander, Christopher Mitten, Liam Sharp, and Aditya Bidikar. We're getting a bunch of different stories in the world of Batman here, magazine style, same as over in action comics. But the main story here is Batman has been taken over. Demon is going to be hanged at dawn. Yeah. For real, that's that's what's going on. Yikes. I think, oh my God, I I think this was Derek Mainhart called this out on our Patreon Slack is really liking this book. And he said that he felt they're doing the same things that Chip Zdarsky has been doing in Batman, but better here. What do you think about that, Steve?
2: Okay. Well, uh, first off, badass <laughs> cover. Uh, yeah, I, I just think this is a great, great story here. I love the art. I uh, love the cat uh, team up with Ivy here and uh, – we have cat talking with Jim. That was really fun. Uh love the Bane story that we got later. I love the question story we got. This was just a great kind of uh, checking with different people in the kind of the Gotham world and what they're up to. Uh, I I loved it, and the art is fantastic. This is good stuff.
1: Oh, Azrael story is that the one
2: you're talking about? Yep
1: uh the I, I agree i I thought this book, and to answer derek's statement like it's much more it feels like the the chip stuff has is doing a lot of continuity things and doing a lot of like plot business. And that maybe is slowing it down from a, a, a just a pure storytelling perspective. When this book feels like it just gets to be moody, it gets to sort mm-hmm. of take its time. All these stories are really that way. And from an art perspective, I think that's really great. I, I really love the question story and the Oswald yes. story. Both great characters that we don't see enough of on their own. And then this idea that Batman's being taken over by a demon, but even more interestingly, like that Gotham City is being split, feels like such a useful idea for the to to take forward into the rest of the the series as if nobody realizes but demons are literally taking over the street level of Gotham City and that's something that Batman is dealing with a little bit, but also he's encountered that almost it could be a metaphor for like a virus or something that i think is um, or
0: just the divide uh, in a city honestly because i think that's what they're going for it's giving it a noir vibe both in terms of the art and the pacing and then beyond that it's about how it's like this very 70s streets on fire type deal where the city's about to explode um so yeah good stuff Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Scorpius Run, number three from IDW, written by Mike Johnson and Ryan Parrott, art by Angel Hernandez. The crew of the Enterprise is on a death race through space. And there's lots of twists and turns here as various other crews they're up against betray them. And not too much of a surprise there. But I continue to love this series. You love this. I do. Well, the action is really big. Mike Johnson, that's what it's about. Uh, Sure. I think I do like Ryan Parrott, who writes. Oh my god, Flame Guy from Massive Verse. That's uh, it. Rogue yeah. Sun. Rogue Sun. That's Rogue the name, but yeah.
2: Yeah. I like how you. Uh, I do love like the Rogue Sun like stuff that. and
0: I think like just this has a propulsiveness to it because of the race setting. Uh it's fun, it's fast, it's exactly it feels exactly how it should. I really like this book.
1: I I like this issue better than the previous uh 2. This one feels like we're in the action. They're able to toggle back and forth between the different ships and how it's going for everyone. This definitely feels a little bit less – I'm feeling the sort of the outer context laid on all these Star Trek characters a little less, and it's just they're in it doing it. So I definitely enjoyed that a little bit more than the previous two.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is great kind of Star Trek action here, Uh great art, enjoyable story. I specifically like the kind of like – uh I don't know, a monster with the kind of like a little jaw with the with the teeth and the fangs coming. The Kilowog, there. but for Star Trek. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's exactly <laughs> what I was talking about. Um, so yeah, uh, I feel like it was. It's a fun. If you like Star Trek, you're going to enjoy this. And they got some new cool characters. Yeah. What is a race
1: it? but a trek, a fast trek.
0: There you go. Not up to that word yet. Doctor Strange, number nine from Marvel, written by yeah. Jay McKay, art by Pascal Ferry. Doctor Strange is going up against General Strange, the multiple thousands of years older version of himself. Uh, They're mano a mano, and there's some twists and
2: surprises by the end. Pete, you seem pretty excited. So why yeah, don't this you kick it off? I'm so happy because, like, first off. You know, I don't know about you guys, but it's really annoying uh, when kids come up to you and they're like, "Hey, how are babies made?" And you have nothing to tell them. So this comic tackles that because you have perfectly. no knowledge about that.
1: Yeah, you don't know. You yeah, don't know. I
2: don't know.
0: I don't have kids. Like, I don't know. You man. guys you, have kids. You tell me. You tell me, kid. But,
1: well, you me, I think put your mask
0: great. back on. Put your mask back on, and you tell me. I how think Doctor
2: Strange been. really handles this in an amazing. You got to fight a giant monster. And then you awake the baby in the monster, and then you get a baby. So I think that's a, that's a great way to explain it. And uh, this is just a <laughs> tripped-out, weird, uh, hilarious, amazing comic that... Uh, When you get a Doctor Strange, you're like, yeah, but how strange is it going to be? Oh, it's up there. Uh, But also, it's worth it for the art alone. The uh, battles in this, the different panels that are just kind of like beautiful, where it's like (laughs) the magic is almost like glass that they're breaking through in some panels. Mm -hmm. Like, really unbelievable. I I just wanted to say, I think uh, I agree with you, Pete. We should probably compliment ourselves a little
0: more. Like, if we gave a really good explanation, we'd be like, that was a really good explanation at the end of our explanation. Wait, Wait What? In the middle that's of your amazing. explanation, you explained you're like, that was a really great way of explaining it. <laughs> uh,
2: that's not what I was saying, but okay. I'm gonna
0: do that. Go yeah. Uh,
1: but just to, to so we're clear, Pete, Jed McKay's my guy. Okay? So you back <laughs> off. Okay? I'm not stepping on your stuff. He's I love
2: I love Jed killing. McKay. There's two comics in this stack that Jed McKay absolutely murdered it yeah. was so good. You
1: don't have to tell me, guy. Get off my <laughs> get off my Jed. Hey, Get I'm just the sled. behind
2: you, bro. All right. I a- uh,
1: I also really enjoyed this. I think the the setting up this big fight and then having it spin in a couple different directions. I like the reveal at the end of the last issue that um, our Dr. Strange is backing the other side in this epic millennial spanning war that our general has been fighting forever. Clea is doing such great work here and, uh, the art's fantastic, and we we leave it all with, uh, like, a hopeful moment that gets turned into uh, some just general weirdness, which I was, like, keeping it
2: strange. Keeping it strange. Keep strange, strange. I, I also think it's weird that he's a father now at the end of this issue, uh, but also, like, the fact that um, they are just, uh, uh, like, in the middle of this giant fight, like, hey, don't hurt them. That's a child you're uh, fighting. And it's like this weird moment where Dr. Strange and us, the reader, are like, wait, what? And uh, it's a real needle scratch on a big uh, kind of climactic fight when you're like, hey, you're beating the shit out of a little kid right now. And you got to be like, oh, no. Well, why don't we move on <coughs> to talk about another advanced issue, bloodrick Number 1. This is on
0: sale December 6th from Image Comics, written and drawn by Andrew Cranky. Pete, you must have loved this because the guy's name is Cranky and the main character is Cranky and you're Cranky. So first time you saw yourself on screen?
2: Oh, yeah. It's a comic. It's a comic, but thank you. Uh, Cranktastic. Yeah. uh, um, uh, What comic were we talking about? Bloodrick number one. (laughs) Oh, Bloodrick. Yeah. Oh, my God. So Bloodrick was. What a great explanation of that. (laughs) You just went from Cranky to Cranky to high voltage. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, so I was like, okay, what's the deal? Is this guy just an, an insane hunter person? Because these small moments in this are really cool. Like, the kind of like they have these kind of cool panels where it's just like this scrawling kind of space, and he's this little hunter in this big world. So I was like, there's some deep ideas happening, but is this just like a juiced up hunter guy? I don't know, but. Uh, I think as far as the first issue, it's pretty intense and kind of uh, interesting. So I think the art's really fantastic.
1: I knew you would like this, Pete, even if you didn't know what you were talking about for the first half of that. Because <laughs> the, when I read this, I was like, this is Usagi Yojimbo style art. Focusing on a Conan the Barbarian Ooh. type character. Basically Ooh. doing what the TV show alone or any other survivalist show does on a episode-by-episode basis. So much of this issue is him being like... I'm hungry, but what do I do? And that's – we can all identify with that. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: I really like the format on this one. You know, converse to what I said about the Red Sonia book, the fact that this is all to people telling tales of Bludrick. And they're like, no, 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 let me tell you something crazy that Bludrick did. And somebody else is like, no, I'll tell you an even crazier thing that Bludrick did. It is very classic Conan style, like you're saying, but it really works here. The art and the look of Bloodrick is a little exaggerated. It's not quite as yeah. exaggerated as Steve Scrooge, but um, certainly like, mm. it starts to get there. Like It's a nod in that direction. And I really liked giving it a snowy setting as well. It almost feels like it's one of those black, white, and blood books that Marvel puts out mm, yeah, um, yeah. in that mode. So if you're looking for something like that, I thought this was a fun one to check out when it comes out in December. It's Jeff, the Jeff Verse, number one from Marvel, written by Kelly Thompson, earned by Guri Hira. This is another collection of the digital comic strip about everybody's favorite land shark and the little adventures he goes on. The first one, I believe, was a big hit and drew a bunch of kids back in comic book stores, the theme of this particular episode of The Stack. So I expect this one will do as well. I'll tell you what. I like this better than the first issue. I thought this was much funnier. Um, the jokes were sharper, and I still continue to love everything that Kelly Thompson is doing here. The Gary Hairu art is great. Um, but this was a stronger issue than the first one, so I was very happy.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is also a first th- issue.
0: Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> this is also <laughs> a first issue. This was also a first issue, but the first one was It's Jeff, and this is It's Jeff, the Jeffers.
2: Oh, okay, cool, cool I just want to make sure we're being clear about that Sorry, go ahead, JT I mean, that's Marvel's Uh, fault Marvel keeps releasing number ones of everything It's terrible
1: No shame, why not? Every day I wake up, I'm like, Justin is number one (laughs) (laughs) New start Uh, (laughs) It's Justin's number one day this uh, I agree. This was better. You know, if the art I thought was just fantastic and I like incorporating more uh, heroes into it than the first one, I feel like. And just, yeah, fun taking more uh, a wider range of places for Jeff to go, I think is fun In general just fun.
2: Yeah, this is a blast. It really jumps off the page. It's so much fun. It's all ages friendly, but even as an older person, I don't feel like, oh, this is for younger kids. I'm having a blast with this. I love how he helped out the ant during the ant story. Uh, love the how, you know, he let Modoc uh play with the it's Jeff toy. It was really very sweet. I love the, uh, you know, guard shark on duty at the dog park. I mean, the art is super tight bananas. This is adorable. These stories are a little bit longer, but the payoffs are better. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and I've loved every time Marvel has given us more, Jeff, I have uh, enjoyed every morsel of it. It's, uh, it's, it's great. Spirit World number six from DC Comics written by Alyssa Wong, art
0: by Haining in this issue. This is the last issue of this. Where we're finding the final fate of the spirit world, there's some big changes and twists here. What'd you guys think about the wrap
2: up? I thought this was awesome. I really thought I love spirit world. This was such a great issue, it was such a cool character. Love the conflict resolution we got here mm, uh, absolutely yeah. stunning, stunning, stunning art. I uh, loved all the action, just really kind of leaned into the art, letting the art lead the story. Uh, Just really cool uh, panel designs and flow to it. I was super impressed. I also love the team. You got Constantine on here as well as others. So yeah, I just had such a blast with this. It really felt like a breath of fresh air in the kind of DC world. So I, I loved it.
1: Yeah, I I also like the way this came together. I was surprised by how the uh, the conflict was resolved in a way, and also despite the fact that we had sort of randomly Batgirl and Constantine here, the story f- actually came together and focused on our main character in a way that I was like, oh nice. I thought we were just going to get yeah. lost in a Constantine thing at the end, but came together in a nice way and um, it was a nice just standalone six issue series. Great.
0: Let's move on to a book that I cannot believe this, but Pete kept texting me all week being like, put this in the stack. And I was like, I don't know if we have room." And he was like, put this in the stack. You have to put this in there. I have to talk about this book. So fine. Here you go, Pete. Red light number one from AEW nah, hey, written by Sarah This H- is all you,
2: man. This is all fucking you. Art I read by- this comic and I was just like, ah, hey, Alex will think this is cool. Art by
0: Priscilla Patrice. Uh, I guess you'll find out what I think. I don't know. But I th- I thought this was interesting to talk about because this is not a publisher we usually to talk about. It's a new number one. I always think that's a good, interesting thing there to check out what they are doing and what kind of comics yep. they're producing. So this is a book about an AI brothel that is populated by... Essentially, highly advanced robots who are one of them has a developing AI. We're focusing mostly on her and her interactions with some of her clientele, some of the people that work there, as well as the owner of the brothel himself. As you imagine, things can probably change by the end here. I think that was a pretty good explanation for me. Justin, yeah. what did you think about this book?
1: I really like this. I liked our, our main character here and the way that it it gets into, like it's set in um, a, to use another term from my uh, calendar, a sex place, and it uh, – So it's set there. If you don't want to read about that, then um, then I wouldn't pick this up. But if that's something you're interested in or or fine with, like I actually really liked um, the main character. Uh, The situation was interesting. I'm curious. The the idea later that we find out she is the first A.I. to really develop empathy, I thought was an interesting direction to go in. And I like where the possibilities where this could go. Mm -hmm. And the art was great as well.
0: Yeah, i throw out there, you know, whatever Pete thinks in all honesty, I'm always trepidatious about this sort of thing where I'm like, ah, are you just trying to do this for the titillation value? And I don't think so. I think this no, is trying to actually so explore a... the imp- implications of AI and how we use AI, how we use each other, how we sexually use people, etc. Um, and There's some interesting tones to the characters, particularly with the owner of the brothel that takes things in ways yeah. emotionally that you wouldn't expect. The one thing that I'd say is I think the stuff that you were calling out, Justin, was really interesting in terms of her developing empathy. Normally, I want a book to get to the concept really quickly in the first issue, but I think this laid out how she interacts with all these people. It did a nice job of laying out the cast, but the turn at the end was a little quick for me. I actually wanted them to slow play her development as a personality a little more over the course of the issues, because I think really delving into the psychology and taking a little farther versus where I think it's going in a second issue takes it to like slightly more typical places, not that I need to stay in this brothel or anything, but it feels a little prisoner-esque in this first issue. And I think if we go in that direction, if we continue to explore this complex and what this means and blow out that concept a bit, this could be a very interesting sci-fi tale to watch.
1: The, I know you say you don't want to stay in that brothel, Alex, but I also know that you've booked a room at it. Uh, the just other just
0: thing to sleep, he, just to get one good night's sleep, you know?
2: Yeah, I think that's the, definitely the idea that, you know, you got two kind of main ideas uh, going on here where it's like the life of a sex worker and how uh, hard and uh, complex it is and then also this idea of what if AI uh starts to develop uh, emotions and feelings and uh, wants to be real and it's kind of like this cross between. So there's a lot that this book can cover. We'll see where it goes and what happens. It's a a weird kind of interesting take. Uh, The art is really impressive.
1: Yeah. And I I also think I wasn't as concerned about the turn at the end because I think it was set up pretty well over the course of the issue. And we get the reveal of the empathy sort of crystallizes it and then we Mm -hmm. get a strong turn at the end. So I I wasn't it, it was fine by me. All right. Yeah, definitely interested to pick up a second issue of this and see where things go. Next up, another advanced
0: reviews, Our Bones Dust, number one. This is also on sale December 6th from Image Comics, written and I believe drawn by Ben Stembeck, but it wasn't 100% clear from the credits for me. This takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where a bunch of scavenger humans live, and there is an alien being who's exploring the world at the same time. I thought this was really interesting and two very different perspectives that we don't, necessarily expect from this sort of story. What did you guys think about this one?
2: Uh, I I really love the twist at the end. Um, yeah, this is very interesting because you think you're starting – In one story, but it keeps changing the more you kind of find out. So I think they did a really great job of kind of laying that out in such a cool, interesting way. The art and the character designs are so unique and and different looking. It's uh, it's really impressive artistically what they're doing in this book.
1: I also really like this. This reminds me of a comic from uh, like 10 years ago called Prophet, Mm -hmm. the Rob Liefeld character that Brandon Graham took over. And uh, really enjoyed that. It got into like uh, perception, space, some big, deep sci fi concepts. And this feels like it is uh, doing sort of post apocalyptic and alien stuff, uh, high level alien stuff at the same time. And a great combination. I thought the art was really cool and the, one of my favorites of the week.
0: The uh-huh. Avengers, number seven from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art yeah! by CF Villa. <laughs> uh, you cool have- it. After the first arc where the Avengers fought off this attacking force of um, Black Order knockoffs who were trying to take over the world. Wow. Oh, I guess the
1: Ashen Combine doesn't (sighs) resonate with you, Alex. Sorry, man. Sorry.
0: I know they're your favorite characters.
1: I know you you got that Um, Ashen
0: Combine tattoo, right? that's right and i have to
1: leave room for my um uh murden and the twilight court (laughs) tattoo coming out next
0: i do appreciate uh, it's good to throw new characters onto the pile it's always good to expand the world that's fine um here we're getting a mystery involving the avengers having lost uh, a big battle lost the entire world but it's clear that something is a little wrong we get at least two twists by the end of the issue pete you're raising your hand
2: what you think? Yes, I'm just, as the number one Judd McKay fan on this podcast, I just, Get wanted out of to here. Kinda, I just wanted to jump in here and just be like. You weren't even uh, around
1: McKay from back in the day. You're just <laughs> jumping on the McKay bandwagon.
2: That's right. I'm the first guy on the bandwagon here and really loving it. No, that's, I've been driving the of- bandwagon.
1: I this put the was, band on the wagon, well, it was I'm just a wagon shotgun, bro
2: I'm sitting shotgun and enjoying the ride, um yeah, I just felt this was one of my favorites of the week. It' was such an epic issue. Uh, love how it starts uh just uh, so much going on. our super tight bananas, such a huge story. love all the twists along the way, very kind of uh cool uh just like the way it starts small and then really just kind of be, builds out an epic so. Awesome. Don't want to spoil anything, but definitely worth checking out for sure.
1: Uh, Jed McKay picking up um, off of Jason Aaron's Avengers run, which, as we talked about for years, went so hard and like combined every possible iteration of Avengers characters, smash them together to make a big run. So that's a hard, hard act to follow. But I think Jed McKay and CF Villa are doing such a great job of having it be super high stakes big action huge villains that they're introducing here um while still now getting at the the i don't want to spoil the end of the issue but getting into some of the other wider continuity avengers villains in a great way i agree this is just such a fun high octane read Uh, definitely check it out
0: Supergirl special number one from DC Comics written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Skylar Patridge last week, I believe, or maybe two weeks ago, we took a little bit of issue to what the Power Girl title is doing in terms of essentially turning Power Girl into Supergirl Mm -hmm. down to a new job at Metropolis. She has a secret identity felt like that character was getting a little lost here. So I was very excited to get into this, which instead focused on Supergirl saying, Hey, wait a second. Power girl's exactly Why like is me there now. Another, what's, going yeah, me. what's up?
1: Really um, took our criticism. To yeah, I know it took, took it to heart and
0: turned around a comic book very quickly, which is not easy yeah. to do. The, I really liked her. Marie Tobaki is a writer and I think she gives some good flavor to Supergirl here. Love Skylar Patrick's art, the way that she draws uh, yes. the does. Yeah. Come it's on. so Good. Um, I do not love this book, and the reason—I'm sorry—the reason, I'm sorry, the reason I know, and the reason I didn't love it is because I think we started, with, and maybe <coughs> I'm missing something. Yeah, and we trash started, this place, Justin. Let's burn it down. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit. We started with this cupcakes? idea of Supergirl being like, "Man, Power Girl is doing the same thing I'm doing. What am I now?" And by the end of the issue, they're like, "Well, guess there's two of us."
2: I was like, hey! old what the emotional no, look of no. this book? Other, off, than,
0: other than learning a cool new way of eating cupcakes, that's not new, learn? bro.
2: That's old. If that you've been eating cupcakes right, that's how you eat cupcakes. First off, I love that. Can load, I say something? If you're eating cupcakes that way, you're
0: eating two cupcakes. Like that is not so, eating cupcakes the right that's way. How that's how many eating. you should be eating. No. Here's what you do: what, one and done? You, you cut the cupcake in half and take the bottom half of the cupcake, put it on the top
2: hair, then. You're eating Ooh, one cupcake. Still, just one cupcake. There's Ooh. too
0: much icing on there. There's a proper amount of icing on one cupcake. It no, so it's, the middle, it's out a out perfect, everywhere. No, you're insane. Oh, no. No, this you're is insane. A, it's, it's the right metaphor for this because it's like this
2: is too many cupcakes, and you solve nothing, and now you feel sick. No, no, no. Everybody eats two cupcakes at once. That's how it works. Anyways, I just (laughs) think that what's great is they are realizing, like, okay, they're similar. But instead of fighting that, they're leaning into it and learning more about each other and themselves, which I think is a beautiful thing to have happen. But I'm sorry if it all didn't happen in one issue. They're working on it, okay? It's something they realize Mm -hmm. is an issue, and they're going to be working on it. I think it was a beautiful thing that... Yeah, they have all these problems. They're like, "Hey, what? You can't be like me. I'm me, you know." But they're, I'm me. Uh, it's yeah. It's so. It's not all going to be solved in one issue, salvatron Wait, okay. There's a better, bigger story coming. Wait for it.
1: I actually don't love cupcakes, just as a treat. Oh, you know what my I mean. God. So Jesus like I Christ. I guess it works out, Pete. I don't
2: because love we love delicious should, food. I, or I have a question, to
0: be, Do you things. walk into a cupcake store and they say, How many cupcakes do you want, sir? You say, How many can you fit in here? And no, to be clear say, for our audio podcast listeners, I'm pointing, I'm pointing I to my mouth. Two when I said how many can you fit in here? I was pointing to my mouth. I just want to be clear
1: about that. No, oh, worry, was that your mouth? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, right. I, that's I saw, the I saw you pointing to another I was worried about the
0: audio podcast. Because
1: if we go into it pointing. It's an audio at podcast, a child,
0: so they can't see where I'm pointing, and it's in my
1: mouth. At a child's birthday party, rather than, Pete, you stealing a cupcake from the smallest Steal unmasked two. boy you can get yes, your hands on, I will give you mine from now on. In that way, we can coexist like Power Girl and Supergirl. That's right. Uh,
0: That's what uh, those stickers mean on the back That's of cars. The, They're about sharing your cupcakes. I get it now.
1: Coexist, yeah. What did you uh, think about I, this book, Justin. I enjoyed the art. I like that they you sort should. of the called art's out. Beautiful, very good, very good art. I like that they called out something that I think they, I guess, anticipated was going to be a take coming yep. out of the uh, the redesign of these characters. Um, and Supergirl, I think, just has a lot going on internally. I like that that's what this was about. Looking forward to more from her. Tara, yeah, like support- how does she?
0: Uh, that's not just the description of the cupcake discussion we were just having. It's also the title of this next book, tear us apart. Number no. three from dark horse comics written by Jay Baruchel and Van Jensen art by Alessandro Macelli. We are following two people who have escaped from an assassin death cult, I guess is the best way of describing them who has superpowers yeah. that can literally tear people apart. They're trying to live their lives, go into the mall for the first time. And in this issue, We finally get one of my favorite tropes, a cranky old man who's teaming up with him. Pete, you had to have
2: loved that, too. Oh, yeah. Come on. There's nothing better than to be seen. Uh, Yeah, I just think that the art style of this is absolutely fantastic you know uh such a kind of unique kind of cool look to it uh you know love the start uh, i feel like um you know if two murderers can't find love in this crazy world who can so yeah i think this, this is a uh, a fantastic book it's got a great team on it it's definitely worth checking out
1: yeah i i really like this book as well the their time at the mall it feels they they do a good job of showing just how uh, unexposed how I- unexposed to the world these characters are and they're innocent in a way but also deadly in a yeah. very other uh, very clear way here so the and th- this added twist like you said Alex um is a fun counterpoint to their innocent ways we have a jaded cranky Pete like character
0: Next up, another advanced review, Lifehouse, on sale December 20th from Image Comics. I mean, this one we can spoil. Based on Lifehouse by Pete Townsend, which came out, uh, I don't know, a while ago, or people have known about it for a while. Story Mm. by James Harvey and David Hine. Script by David Hine. Art by James Harvey and Max Prentice. This is based on an original screenplay by Pete Townsend that they're putting in comic book form. And it is exactly what you would expect from a Pete Townsend Screenplay down to wild sci-fi things in the classic 70s, 80s, early very early 80s style from Europe. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Get it's, high and read this, I guess.
2: Yeah, this is really tripped out and kind of amazing. It's a, it's a great. I mean, artistically, it's, it's really uh, impressive. It's a very unique kind of cool look to it. Uh, letting the trip now uh, kind of uh, vibe uh, kind of flow through it. So, yeah, just super impressed with artistically what this is achieving. And I love this idea. You know what I mean? Try to, you know, mix mediums. Like, you know, I think it's an interesting idea of being inspired by a song or a musician or whatever. And what does that kind of uh, what can you do with that in a comic? So I think that's very cool.
1: Badass move to write your band, The Who, into this comic as the best band of all time,
2: <laughs> basically.
1: It's a pretty sick move on Pete Townsend, part into his movie, I guess it was. But um, really good art. It is that sort of – I feel like there are books like this out, out on the stands mm-hmm. in in other ways where it's like – Music's the thing, man, and it's finding a sci-fi way into making music the central idea and how that symbolizes freedom and is the way for this oppressed society to get out. Uh, But a lot of if you're a fan of The Who, there's a ton of references to their music and their whole vibe feels very sci-fi rock opera.
0: Yeah, I think they did a really good job with this, just in terms of translating what it is. Obviously, I haven't read the original screenplay, but there's a bits of it in the back. and There's notes like Pete Townsend talking about one of the main characters being like, she's 20, but a sexy 20. And I was like, all right, this is clearly a screenplay from decades ago at this point. So they've definitely updated it and what tweaked it. What does that it. even mean? It's just I 20, mean, but it's sexy 20. What does that even mean? I don't know. I wasn't in the what who, the fuck? Pete. What but the fuck? this is like Mobius meets V for Vendetta. By Mobius, I mean like the comic book creator. Um, so I
1: don't know. Mm. It was a
0: little hard to hold on Knock to. Not the character
1: left. from Loki? <laughs> ah, I thought it was a is
0: Loki that ref.
1: Yeah. No, I meant that actually.
2: You're and talking about one of the o- o- uh, Wilson brothers? <laughs> Wow!
0: Yeah, wow. Okay. Anyway, why don't we move A on? Voluntary Owen like Wilson. Like you said, Chad. Uh, <laughs> don't want to do this. Wow. X Men me. number twenty eight. Help me! <laughs> wow. Help! Oh my! Wow. wow. X Men number twenty eight from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Joshua C- Duggs. Big stuff going down in this issue as Firestar, is her, her cover with Orcus, is really starting to crumble here as she frees the <laughs> yeah. juggernaut from their hiding uh, and whispers basically to everybody she can. She's like, hey, I'm a spy. Jean Grey made me a spy. Don't worry about it. Just don't kill me, okay? Uh, so lots of big stuff going down with her. And meanwhile, Kitty Pride and Miss Marvel are sent to a task force. To another dangerous place. So Justin, I know you and I have been talking quite a bit about how it feels like there's not quite of a center here. It feels like the danger amped up incredibly in this issue.
1: Well, and there's not a lot, a real through line, except for like, hey, everything's stressful for these. All these characters in this book are stressed out. We get Sunfire at the top dealing with like this horrible situation he's in. Firestar is like, (laughs) it sucks for her. And then at the end, you get Shadowcat, who's in a bad mood a lot. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Meeting up with Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, a couple of questions about your costume. Those swords are evil. Are you okay? And she's like, shut up, old man. We have to go get almost killed in one second by these bad guys. And this is just very stressful all around. But I do think while I, there still isn't that central spine to this story, I like this X-Men comic as a way of just sort of parachuting in on these interesting characters in interesting situations. And um I've been enjoying the event. Uh, I am interested we're approaching halfway through really Mm -hmm. it ends sometime in January when we are going to get that sort of like funnel into the final story
2: Hmm. I just wanted to say that like I read this and I was like I don't know what's going on uh, but I like the part where Wolverine showed up and there was a cool last page reveal (laughs) which I was happy about that and man I really love the art uh, style. I thought that was very interesting
0: Yeah, this is a little bit still like the news, just sort of getting you up to speed. There's a lot of Dr. Stasis dialogue that's like, oh, this is happening in another book, just so you know, this is eventually all going to tie together. And I was like, okay, I've been reading the other book, so I get it, so that's cool. But I agree with you on the Wolverine thing, and I actually really like the fact that he's been so outside of this this entire time, him coming in and being like, what are you guys doing right now? Well,
1: and honestly, they they I see him. They and seen he's, in that moment. Yeah, exactly. He's in like a a clean uniform, just like there. I was like, what is this? How is he there and not <laughs> in like some like fucked up outfit or something? He's just very like like they, they plucked him out of like mid nineties X Men and were like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you're here now. And he's like, huh? I, was like, I thought it, we were man. on. The, I was on the the X Men Blue Team with Cyclops yeah. and my guys by yeah. Swiss no?
0: Cheese Braid. Do I still say that is? uh No, wait, that's just Sam Oh, boy, that's Scott Bakula. That's Scott (laughs) Bakula. Same character, basically. Same character. Uh, What? Speaking of taking it back in the day, the return of Superman 30th anniversary special number one from DC Comics written by Dan Jurgens, Louise Simonson, Jerry Ordway, Carl Kessel, art by Travis Moore, John Bog. Oh, my God. Jerry Ordway, Tom Grummet, and Brett Breeding. This is the original teams from the Death and Return of Superman event. Revisiting that for news stories as Cyborg Superman once again attacks Metropolis. Everybody reminisces about things that happened back in the day around the other Return of the Superman Superman characters and revisit that there. What do you guys think about this one?
2: Well, this was like a little uh, going back in time. It had really like an 80s, 90s uh, feel to all the art and stuff. So that tracks, you know, you know, Superboy shredding on the skateboard. You know, I was like, man, ah, I miss the 90s.
1: I would say it sort of tracks us back to about 1993. You know, Approximately.
0: Approximately. Yeah. yeah. What did you think, Justin? I have to imagine you were a return of Superman fan back in the day.
1: Yeah, and like this, like Pete's saying, it does take you right back there. And it had me thinking like, wow, what a wild idea that was. Something that I think comics do do a lot more now and since then. But back then, the idea that four Supermen were back. And the sort of unwritten thing was like one of them is the real one or they're competing to see who will be Superman. And then we get the great reveal that it's actually none of them. They're all variously Spoiled. different in uh in wild ways. Uh, two of them technically <laughs> villains, two of them great heroes that have continued on. And that our Superman was this other guy completely who then has to fight half of them to try to save the day one more time just a great story and to get back into it with the, I think the key thing here is with the original art teams Mm-hmm. Was it just a great way to take you back to that, this great yeah. event?
0: Yeah, I did think the framing was a little weird that Cyborg Superman is Wong, attacking yeah. the city and Lois Lane's like, this is a huge story. We got to get on this. But first I need to sit down with Perry White's journals and reminisce about everything that happened back in the day. I was like, yo. Well,
1: <laughs> especially to be like, let's have the most interesting character take us through this journey, through this exciting time. It's Perry White, <laughs> who was old then. And he's sort of being old now.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there was that. I uh, Of the stories, I thought the Superboy story was best. That's the one that was the most fun and got most towards the character for me. Um, the other one is... Yeah take a give but if you're a fad back in the day i at least i appreciate this as a tribute and trying to do yep. something new the all-nighter well, it also of, touched oh, on
1: yeah. sorry just one last thing it yeah. touched on like back then like intergang was the like alien uh weapons dealer and everyone has like crazy arm cannons mm-hmm. just randomly i was like that's something that hasn't been touched on again and that was i thought very funny in the uh john henry iron story
0: yeah the All-Nighter, number 11 from Comixology, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jason Liu. This is kicking off the final arc of the series about a superhero kid vampire and the world that she lives in. I got to admit, I'm not particularly familiar with this title. I think we might have read the first issue, whatever that came out years ago, but I really dug this. I thought Jason Liu's art style was really good. The characters were interesting to look at, and even with not knowing the situations, I was instantly drawn in by this kid vampire superhero, and there seems to be a lot of danger and intrigue going on there. There's also a wild twist in the last page that made me think, A, I want to go back and read all of this, and B, this is probably Chip Zdarsky's preacher, is what I'm going to say. Oh, it wow. Probably mm, nice. that.
2: Wow. Uh, and that's, that's all a, there is to that's say That's a crazy that. thing to throw on that. I, I, uh, at the end there, you're just like, Through a grenade as you left. I I just think that this, yeah, I agree that really unbelievable story. Love the pace of it. Very kind of uh, quick, which uh, so much went down, which I thought was awesome. Art was really impressive. Um, Yeah, and uh, I can't believe this is the end. I'm really bummed because I thought it was so cool. This book reminds me of the
1: Buffy comics and even the Buffy TV show and that universe in a way that comes at it that isn't an homage or ripping it off in any way. But coming at it, vampire stories and the larger mythology around them in a completely different way, but landing in a similar place with like good dialogue, good characters, good action, and uh, a fun reveal at the end. Yep.
0: Totally agree. Let's move over to Scarlet Witch, number 10 from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Sarah Pacelli. This is the final issue of the series. Scarlet Witch fights the Witchfinder. Don't worry, it's coming back for a special, and then some other iteration later next year. We don't know exactly what it is, but this is a knockdown dragout fight. This reminded me a lot of, do you guys remember the Merlin-Madamib fight from, I think it was Sword of the Stone, right? Uh, oh, wow. The Disney yeah. cartoon, but yeah. like they're just changing it to different different animals to take out each other. Yeah, yep. That's what this issue reminded me of, a more hardcore version of that.
1: Well, I was going to say, like I thought, just a great use of magic in this. Mm-hmm. In a, yes. You know, you cover a lot of books that have magic, even the Doctor Strange book, which we does it in a different way. But this felt very much like two people casting legit spells, uh, both artistically presented and in the way they talked about it and the way the story unfolded. So that was cool. Great sort of secondary reveals about Joseph and his point in this story. Really sad, genuinely sad to see that this is the last issue, even though I know more is coming. Because I've been loving this series. This feels like the best Scarlet Witch has been in years. And uh, like we talked about Hawkeye, the hawkeye of different comics, this is like just a great way of taking that character and giving her a unique niche in the Marvel Universe to play in.
2: Yeah, Orlando is killing this. I I just, I'm sad to see this end because this was such a great use of characters. So creative, really fun, really felt like it stretched the characters in, in such cool ways. Art was so impressive. Love all the action, adventure, and kind of magic fights that we got in in this. And plus, Darcy, I mean, come on, that pillow move was fantastic. And uh, yeah, it was great to well, see we her. We know you're
1: going to love that.
2: Uh, but this has been such a great package. Like the art and the storytelling, meeting in such a creative place. And uh, every kind of like, it was like a one and done with a lot of different uh, issues. And it was just. So cool and so well done. So creative. Uh, yeah. Just super sad to see it end. And I, I want more.
0: The Midnight Show. Number two from Dark Horse Comics written by Cullen Bunn. Art by Brian Hurt. In the first issue, we were introduced to this old, never finished movie called The God of Monsters. That was a mashup movie of all of the different classic monsters. Over the course of finally showing a print of the movie, all of those monsters start to come to life and attack people very violently in a small town. Here, we're getting a lot of those characters realizing what's going on and getting eliminated very quickly in
1: shocking ways. This is bloody
0: and gruesome and surprising, and I am loving this book so far.
1: Yes. I thought this this second issue really, it's it's like a two-parter. And I thought this finished the premise and, and really set us up for going forward in a great way and explored all the actual monsters. And like you said, made them actually scary. The, these yes. classic universal monsters are sort of not – they're – old timey and they're not presented often in very scary ways and this book i thought more successful than even a lot of the movies that are trying to make these yeah, characters happen agreed. did a great job of making them setting them up and making them legit scary so um i thought this was great
2: yeah i i really agree uh this second issue really took it to another level um the kind of like even like the mummies, which is kind of like a joke. I really loved what they did with that. The design of the uh, monsters was so cool. Um, and yeah, fun last panel, cool reveal to get you excited for more. Yeah, I just think that this really found another gear and uh, really impressed with where they took this in the second issue. And I just want to give a shout out to the same sort of thing that I said with the first issue.
0: I don't know if this is in the script or through Brian Hurt's art or both, but the way the layouts movie style cut between scenes where yeah. you have somebody talking about mm. something and you see what's happening in other places between those panels, I just think it's such a neat, fun way, uh, a cinematic way of laying out the book, which is something you don't really see in comics. So I was very impressed Last and definitely not least, where the body was. This is not Here coming out go. until
2: says, December is 13th yeah.
0: from Image Comics, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Sean Phillips, the team from Criminal, and a million other lauded things back together on a new graphic novel. I really don't want to spoil anything about this yeah, because the way that this unfolds. This was so phenomenal. I will mention up top, we're gonna to have Ed Brubaker Baker on our live show on what? December 5th. I know oh, to talk man. about this very book and I cannot wait to talk about it with man. this with them. The one thing that I will say cool? is per the title, I'm cool. It takes place on the street. There's a body found on the street. I won't tell you who the body is, but it Body's leads up to the... that and spins out from there. This is unlike any of the other mystery books this team has done, as Brubaker cops do at the end. It has a little bit more of the format and rhythm of a romance book, if anything, which you can definitely feel while you're reading it. And yeah. it is as close to comic book perfection as you can get.
1: It's Yeah, it's a surprising story, like you're saying. And in the back matter, I like reading what what Ed was talking about in the creation of the book – But, you know, we we know this team uh, all the way down to Jacob Phillips uh, and uh, who does the colors and artists that we've I have been become a huge fan of over the course of like that Texas blood and the other books that he's doing. So it's just it's really high level comic book creation and taking some like Alex was saying, taking some creative different approaches to a story like this, really like being with the people and seeing people. Uh, you know, have take their flaws and let them guide them in uh, a lot of maybe not great places, but the places that they sort of feel like they want to go because of their different impulses and urges. And it was just such a pleasure to read this, especially coming out in December. Definitely something to give to anybody in your life that likes a good story. This is a great comic.
2: Yeah. Well, I, also, there- oh, go ahead, Pete. There's a lot of fucking in this, so maybe not give it to a kid. But you know, like, uh, okay, also, Dad. Well, I'm just saying, there's, you know, yeah, there is. They, they, are, they be right. fucking this is in this one. they yes.
0: be fucking. Yes, this is definitely 100 percent a very, very adult book, an adult mystery, it's dealing with some complicated emotions. But there's a lot of different characters that we haven't seen in books yeah, from Blue Baker love and folks before. The,
2: The kid stuff was really adorable Mm -hmm. and cool. It was such a cool perspective to have in this kind of. Well, that's the thing is
0: Ed Brubaker from a writing perspective is a master of perspectives and giving you very very different feeling characters that feel completely human and lived in, but fresh in a way that you haven't seen before. Sean Phillips knows how to draw absolutely everybody. Um, yeah. You know, this is, this is a silly thing that I keep bringing up, but reading a lot of the superhero comics, I was like, these people all look the same, except they're dressed differently. Uh, Sean Phillips Shaw's different body types and real people and it feels yeah. like people that actually live on a street. There's a documentary conceit to a little bit of this book that I think really works in its favor and makes it feel different as well. And the way it's paced out over the course of the 100 plus pages is so impressive because, I don't know about you guys, but while I was reading it, I would have these questions pop up, but I had to be like, hey, what about that thing? And then in the book, it would literally be like, but what about that thing? And I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, Let's whoa. Go. Uh, stop yeah, reading my, my mind, Um. Anyway, like we're saying, fantastic book. I know we're jumping around and not mentioning anything about the plot, but really one of the joys of it is how it unfolds. You don't want to spoil it. As you yeah. not expect. Um, perfectly paced, perfect comic book. Definitely look for that. And that's it for the stack. If you'd like to support this show and all the shows, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book
1: Club. Great F. Got me right in the meat places. <laughs> <laughs>